Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's always a privilege when uh, Mr. Mayor Luke Bronin of the city of Hartford makes that drive west uh, to come visit us in studios. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great. It's good to see you. It's good to you know see a little bit of winter finally. I know. I, I miss it. I do too, weirdly. No, I mean, I don't want too I- much. But I would like to have had like one sledding day or something, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I, I, I worry about what it means that we've had 60-degree day after 60-degree day uh, in February. I've kind of enjoyed it, but I do miss real winter. And part of me feels like, just quickly before we get to some of the issues we really want to talk about, I'm knocking on wood, assuming we don't get the march for the ages, what do you do with excess budget for snow removal? Do you roll it over or do you reappropriate it somewhere else? No, it just gets to the, to the extent that uh, we end up with surplus overall, then that either goes into our fund balance or the city's rainy day fund, or we invested in capital investment. You know, we haven't borrowed a dollar in seven years. And so whatever surplus we generate, we either put it into our rainy day fund or we reinvest it in capital investments in the city. Are you getting surpluses? Like, is that yeah. happening? Uh, year over year over year over year. Interesting. Uh, but but again, we're we're using those funds to make those future investments. Right. I made a decision. We were not going to borrow money, even for long-term capital, uh, that we were going to do uh, do it on a, a, a annual basis, generating the funds through our general fund and make those capital investments. Because I just think it's a more responsible thing for us to do, given the fiscal crisis that we inherited when I came in. So you won't even bond stuff out for long-term projects? Right. Yep. But at some point, that would have to change, though, right? That, that limits the growth potential no not, not necessarily i mean it, it if there is a project that uh, you can make a strong case for uh, making that long-term investment with borrowed funds then absolutely it's it i think that can be done responsibly but i also think that it's good for a city particularly a city with hartford's fiscal history yeah. to be in the habit of not putting that burden on future generations or future administrations and saying, what can we sustain right now with the with the resources we generate? And if you do that over a long enough period of time, uh, you can build up the capacity to make those investments. And that's what we've been working on doing. That's interesting. I, I want to put a ribbon on that because I'd love, because real estate, like very few people can pay cash for real estate, even you know in any world. So they, they mortgage things. So to do real estate development, you almost have to do that. But I don't want to get into that in, in too much detail because I, I the main thing I want to talk about is there's been a lot of, from the governor's proposals on guns to, you know, you were Senator Murphy, I think yesterday, to the statistics that came out uh, with you with other mayors in the state about gun violence and what to do about it and this issue of repeat offenders. I want to really talk about this issue. And the first question is just general. Is gun violence up yes in hartford okay it's up it's up in cities around connecticut it's up in cities across the country uh, over the last few years uh, and and i think there are a lot of factors driving that there's no question that it was tied to some of the changes you saw during the pandemic and whether that meant sort of the psychological uh, massive psychological disruption of the pandemic or right. whether it was the fact that you know courts basically stopped operating for a while and probation and parole uh, turned virtual which doesn't really work but there are a lot of things driving that one of the things you're seeing is an enormous amount of violence driven by very intensely personal disputes um, and the other 
thing that we're seeing is more guns than ever out on the street. I mean, you and I have talked about the fact that our police in Hartford took more illegal guns off the street last year than ever before. And the year before that, they'd taken more guns off the street than ever before up to that point. Uh, But the proposal that I rolled out last week along with fellow mayors from Waterbury, New Haven, Bridgeport, was focused on... Uh, very narrowly focused on a specific issue, which is the amount of gun violence that is committed by folks who have serious prior records and are involved in serious firearm activity. What's the percentage of people who are involved in gun violence that are priors? I I think this will, this, I I imagine, will blow people's minds as much as it did us, it did ours as we did this uh, analysis. In Hartford, more than 50% of the people arrested for shooting somebody uh, over the last couple of years were either on out on bail, on probation, or on parole. In Waterbury, that percentage was 70%, either out on bail or uh, on probation when they shot somebody. And what we're saying is, I support common sense gun laws. I support changes to those laws, especially federally. But what we're focused on is not making more things illegal. It's about making sure that when somebody breaks these laws, has a serious history of violent offenses, and then commits new serious firearm offenses, we've got to make sure that there are swift and more serious consequences. So what, such as, like, what do you want to do? So we laid out 10 very specific proposals, uh, all of which together, I think, would make a really significant difference in driving down gun violence, any of which alone would make a difference. But I'll give you an example. If you've got a history of serious violent crime and you're arrested for a new serious firearm offense, uh, our view is you should have to post a higher percentage of your bail to be released pretrial. I don't know how many people know that you only need to post a, a small percentage of the bail that's set to be so released So if it's a $1,000 bail, you so, have to put up uh, 100 well, bucks. Look, if you're a serious offender, you're not getting a $1,000 right. bail. But let's say it's a $100,000 okay. bail. Under state law, you can post 7% of that and be released. But in reality, you don't even have to post that because you go to a bail bondsman and you finance it. Right. So you end up putting up maybe two or 3000 The bondsman finances the rest, and you've met your $100,000 bond. Same thing goes if it's a $500,000 bond. If somebody's getting a $500,000 bond, a judge has already made the decision that that person poses a serious threat to public safety. And yet, with ten or fifteen thousand dollars posted, that person can be out back in the community very quickly. And we're seeing, as I said, thirty-nine percent right. of the people arrested for shooting last year were out on bail when they shot. So we're saying up that percentage. Make sure that people have to high, post a higher percentage of the bail. That's just and, one and example. The state, but who has to? Who has to? The state has to. That has to be a change in state law. Okay. All right. So give me one or two more. If you're well, let's say you're on parole when you commit a new serious firearm offense. And, and new serious firearm offense could include sh- actually shooting somebody or, or shooting pos- at somebody. Or possession. Or it could include uh, having a ghost gun or a stolen gun uh, or a gun that's been altered you know, to make it a, a fully automatic weapon or obliterated serial number. If you're committing a new serious firearm offense when you're on parole, then you should just be going back in. If you're committing a new serious firearm offense when you're on probation, then there should be an expedited way to make sure that there's a violation of probation hearing quickly, that you're detained until that hearing, and then the judge 
needs to explain why he or she isn't taking action if she's if they're not. And so the, these changes are in legislation that's going are, to be considered. These are proposals that these are ten proposals that we've laid out. We are asking the General Assembly to take these proposals and put them into legislation this year and pass them into law. There are a number of proposals that the General Assembly is going to be considering. There are a number of bills out there. These could be added as amendments to those bills. Right. These could be uh, you know, in- included as a standalone bill. But we think that we have to be honest about the fact that a significant percentage of the gun violence that happens in our state and in our communities uh, are, is driven by people who have a serious history of violent crime and are involved in new serious firearm offenses, and we have to do more to make sure that there's accountability. So we hope that the legislature will take it up. I will say, you know, we stood there to announce this. It wasn't just the mayors. It was right. families of victims of gun violence. It was it was community organizations that do the work every day of trying to intervene in gun violence and bring it down, those community violence intervention uh, organizations and specialists, all of them saying the same thing, which is there's a lot of stuff we have to do to tackle gun violence, but this needs to be a piece of it. We continue with Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin here on Brian and Company and WTSC News Talk 1080. I, I do have more questions about the guns, but we are always restricted by time, so I want to get a, a couple of things in. We're about to turn the calendar into March, and is there a St. Patrick's Day parade? There is. And yeah. what's is full guns blazing, never looking back ever again. Everything's on the table. Yeah, I don't know if I use that metaphor given the last conversation we were having, but we're we're excited about this parade. I, 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 we're gonna have a fair an, point. We've got an, fair a, point. an awesome parade Full coming pints up. Full pints blazing. It's the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day, so uh, it, it's uh, I think it's the 11th Saturday, the 11th. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and look, St. Patrick's Day is always a great day in the city of Hartford. You know, whether it's two degrees outside or 50 degrees outside, you always get a, a great turnout and the whole region coming together. Uh, and uh, I'm 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 excited about it. I, I, it's one of my favorite days in the city. And, you know, I always, I, th- I still have my honorary Irishman pin. I mean, because it's one of those things where it just becomes a good excuse for everybody to have a good time. I mean, hopefully responsibly, but it's not like, it's one of those, and it's the same in Boston and New York and Chicago. It's just, everybody wants to come out. Yeah, and it, it's it's a, a chance to just keep a tradition alive. I, one of the things I love about it is the fact that it is a regional event that brings so many communities together into the capital city to celebrate and, and maintain that connection. I, I love that. And, uh, you know, I usually end up at Vaughn singing a song or two, nice. uh, which which is fun, too. Vaughn's a good spot. That's it where I watch the uh, watch the World and, Cup. And I, and I think I'm still scarred from, you know, that in 2020, the first real uh, – decision that we had to make about the pandemic was yeah. to cancel the St. Patrick's right. Day Parade. And uh, that was the moment when it sort of came into focus that we were dealing with something altogether new yeah. uh, with the pandemic. So uh, it, it, there's a special significance uh, to, to being able to have this parade and have it uh, in style. I remember I was out of the country with my family and things started to cascade and our friends were supposed to meet us and they couldn't. Yeah. And then we didn't know if we'd get home. And I think people do forget the degree of fear that was involved everywhere. But just grateful to have it back. We're talking with Mayor Luke Bronin from the city of Hartford. The thing I, you know, I read about the Rensselaer property being up for sale. Yeah. And then I drove by it. I think I was going maybe to the, something with the yard goats. I'm not sure. And I was like, this is a good spot. It's a great spot. I mean, it's 13 acres pretty much right next to the ballpark, just on the other side of the ballpark from where the development has been happening already. And, you know, we've got about 800-plus units of residential housing plus mixed-use development going up around that ballpark. But that 13-acre parcel could be a really important 
uh, extension of that development. And, uh, you know, we're, we as a city don't control it. It's privately owned by right. RPI. They have it up for sale. But I'm hopeful that we'll have the opportunity to work with uh, private developers to use that as a chance to accelerate the residential development, to continue that momentum and continue that work of building on the ballpark as sort of the cornerstone of a much bigger development. Uh, and you know, we're working up that block a little bit at a corner of Albany and Maine uh, on, on a big project. There's a lot going on right there. So that could be a really important piece of the puzzle. I got a couple of quick questions we on this. So they own the property, they're selling the property. Is there communication? Yeah. And so do you have any idea of timetable, of interest? Do we have any clue as to who might be kicking the tires? Uh, I've been in contact with RPI. I've also been in contact with a few private developers who you know, are, are interested in at least taking a look. But no, I can't give you any predictions on timing uh, or on you know, who would ultimately purchase it or, or you know, what those negotiations would look like. Uh, but the city but, won't buy it, right? Correct? I mean, because you, you can't pay cash for it, you won't finance it. Uh I wouldn't rule out any option at this point, but I will say, as you know, I've got about nine months left. So I, I suspect that whatever happens here is going to be uh, un, under the uh, the influence of the administration that follows mine. But I do hope that uh, this is seen as an opportunity to uh, expand on the development that we've been able to do. So around you'd like that to see park. more residential, and I'm going to do everything I can in the next nine months to try to position it that way. Yeah. Do you have any? I mean, this is a silly question to ask, but I mean, does that go for? Tens of millions, millions, hundred. Like, what I, is that I'm, I'm worth? Not gonna, I'm not going to make any, uh, you know, give any estimates. I just am fascinated. Let's see, the, let's see what the market is interested in. You know, it's it's a tricky. The one thing about it that's tricky is there's an existing building there yeah. that probably needs to come down. Sure. It's not an easily repurposed building, and there's cost in taking a building like that down. So there's enormous value in having 13 acres of clean, developable land uh, just uh, north of the ballpark. On the other hand, you got to think about the costs of demolishing that building and, and what you put there. We're talking with Mayor Luke Bronin uh, here in studio, of course, the city of Hartford. Yeah, I mean, that that could be transformative. I mean, you know, could you put up like, could somebody put up like a whole neighborhoody kind of thing? Or yeah. is it, are you more in favor of like, because we talked about this in the past about, Apartment buildings are nice, but neighborhoods are nicer, and it would be nice to do some sort of even like cul-de-sac. You well, don't do I that don't in the city. Say, I, I don't think of apartment buildings as inconsistent with neighborhoods. You can have beautiful, vibrant neighborhoods. No, but neighborhoods I'm saying like, apartment but, buildings. but like row houses or houses. And, yeah, but know. I, but I think you know what on, on a site like that of 13 acres, which is basically in the downtown, but but helps us connect our neighborhoods to the downtown. I, to me, the most important thing that we've talked about a lot is residential density. You need enough people in and around the downtown that you have that energy and activity and the feet on the street and people who are out going to the coffee shops, going to restaurants. And that's always been important and it's always been a priority of mine, but it's all the more important in the wake of the pandemic and the changes to the office market and the fact that you have so many office buildings sitting empty. So I want to see as much residential density as possible. And I think that site creates a really important opportunity to do that. I wonder what the tipping point is because, you know, we we, we actually talked with a gentleman from Trio Properties who works with the Connecticut Apartment Association about how demand is just so high and supply is so low. Yeah. And do you think that there is, like, what is the capacity before you think it would start to, to wane? I mean, I don't think we're anywhere near it. I okay. mean, we, the apartments that are built in Hartford fill up uh, 
pretty much as soon as they're built. Uh, they fill up before they're even online and available to move in. They fill up way ahead of pro forma. And that's been true year after year after year. Uh, look, in Connecticut as a whole, we have not built enough new housing. We, we are near the bottom of all states nationally in how much housing we've, we've built. There's real demand. And I think if we're going to capitalize on the trends that we've seen after the pandemic of young people looking at new places to move, people moving out of ex- big expensive cities like you know New York or, uh, or even on the West Coast, uh, we've got to make sure that we've got a housing supply, including quality rental options, that uh, it's going to be attractive. And uh, same goes for the young people that we're trying to keep here in the state you know, mm-hmm. after they uh, go to school and f- finish up. So I-, I think we're a long way from satisfying that demand. We've, we should be uh, – I think we should have our foot fully down on the accelerator when it comes to residential development. Just really quick before we let you go, Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin joining us here. When the budget comes out and then word leaks that UConn wants to threaten to take their sports out of Hartford – and then there's pushback because basically they want the whole of the federal money filled by the state. I mean, did you just did you do you does your heart sink? I mean, what's your reaction well, I, when you hear that stuff? Look, I I think that the president of UConn was looking for leverage, and uh, but I, I think that I I hope that she recognizes that having UConn play at the Excel Center is good for Connecticut. It's certainly good for Hartford, but it's also good for UConn. You've got a lot of UConn fans and supporters all over the state who find it a lot easier to go to the Excel Center than to get out to stores. You don't think and it's going to happen? I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think there are, there are a lot of people who feel pretty strongly about that. It's great to see you. Uh, you look well. You're running more than me. What did you <laughs> say? You put ten in the other. Yes. Uh, How much you go yesterday? Well, I, I did. A, I had a long run this past uh, yeah on Saturday, and then I felt it on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, well, but you know, I welcome we'll, to we'll see if I can keep it up. <laughs> uh, well, it's always great to get your insight, and we we truly, honestly, our audience, we get such great feedback because they want to know what's going on. They love the conversation. So thank you so no, much. I, pr- I really appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Brian. Mayor Luke Bronin from the city of Hartford. If- we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.